Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I'm your host for today, Cameron Tip Dubai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We have some tidbits for preseason to get to, but the main entree today will be in the lab portion of the programming where we're going to do NBA preseason preview. I'm, I'm switching it up, Justin. I'm going fact or fiction, not true or false. And to do exactly that, we welcome in someone who really needs no introduction, but our colleagues over, or colleague over at USA Today, Jeff Zilgit. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on the pod today. Uh, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure is all on the side of the screen, I can assure you. So, like I said, we will talk about the preseason, the good and the bad, um, mostly Peyton Pritchard and then Jalen Brown wearing his pants on backwards. We'll do a little bit of other preseason loose ends. And then, like I said, Jeff, you're here play factor fiction with us about all of the storylines that we think will dominate this season, not just for the Celtics, but across the league. How is that? Um, quickly, Alex, uh, Divine Sweater, the music who plays our, the music caught. Uh, if everyone <laughs> can't tell, I'm sick as a dog mm-hmm. and no part of my body is working well. Alex plays bass for a band that plays the music for the intro of our podcast. Alex, how is this weekend's show? Uh, this weekend show in Brooklyn was terrific over at Baby's All Right. Uh, loads of fun, lots of good friends, both opening for us and in the audience. Um, check out all of the bands that were on that bill. They're great. Uh, as for our next stop, first, we're going to Bates College uh, this Thursday, and then we are going back to our good city of Boston on the 20th at Royale opening for an incredible band called Melt. Uh, and that kicks off the rest of our big november tour so uh if you are interested follow at various places and stay updated the band's called divine sweater all right before we begin we just of course i think i speak for everyone want to acknowledge that it was a really hard weekend overseas and at home and there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of fear there's a lot of anger there's a lot of confusion so i just want to honor that it was an emotional weekend for the whole world all sorts of different communities um and i I want to give people latitude to feel whatever they're feeling. So we're talking about basketball, more important things that are happening in the world, but we're going to stick to basketball because that's what we do best here. Although incidentally, we do the off the court stuff pretty well, I have to say, but not today. Anyways, uh, we're in the throes of the preseason. And so far the, the major storyline has been Peyton Pritchard signed an extension and has been earning that extension. I want to talk about Drew Holiday. I want to talk about the bench early uh, Porzingis takes, but Jeff, what do you think of Peyton Pritchard? Oh, I, I think it's, I, I think we need to reevaluate how we evaluate contracts these days. Uh, if I'm looking at this 30 million extension that kicks in in a couple of years, if, if I have after next season, um, is 
we're looking at what 7.5 million a year if you average it out uh, i don't think it's quite 7.5 um mm -hmm. per year but it, you know that that's what we're averaging and for a guy who is uh and you guys see this you know way more watch the celtics way more than i do but for a guy who was a rotation player on a finals team a couple seasons ago and ostensibly is going to get better i, I think it's a really good value and you're offering yourself a, and I hate to break it down to just an insurance policy, but you know that if you're going to have a guy like Pritchard who has that experience in at 7.5 million a year, when we're starting to look at at the very upper end, when we're approaching guys like Damian, Luca, I think you know Giannis's next deal, we're talking 60 million dollar a year guys, mm -hmm. and, and you're getting a rotation guy um, who, who can offer you valuable minutes off the bench when you need him. I like the deal. Um, I, I know people are going to, you know, I pop at 30 million, but I, I've long since uh, abandoned, you know, any sense of normalcy when it comes to contracts. I really have to look at, you know, in, in totality what this player provides and the entire landscape of the league and what players are paid. Yeah, even as a proportion of the cap, that, that figure doesn't even hold water because so many teams are blowing past the cap. But you're certainly right. And, that, like, Cam, just real quick, that's a great point that I'm starting to see, um, and, and you guys, again, dig into it. But, but really, we're looking at player contracts per season as the value or the percentage of the cap that season. And, and, and that's how GMs are really looking at it as well. And, and if we're going to look at the cap continuing, that, look, I, I don't know about the 10% a year, but what do we know during that next uh TV deal is going to fall into a portion of Peyton's deal. The cap's going to continue to go up, and that percentage is going to get a little bit smaller mm -hmm. um, each season if if you're getting these, you know, five percent increases in, in the cap uh, year over year. So uh, again, you hit on a great point right there. Yeah, I actually think that there's going to be a lot of surprising, ex like, shall we say, team friendly extensions just because of the new CBA. Uh, kind of pushing salaries up and down with like the middle ground being the rarity for a contract these days. For sure. And if the cap goes up 10% year over year, I mean, we have to reacclimate ourselves every season. Anyways, we said before we started recording, we wanted to get to the lab portion of the programming quickly. So let me do this. I'm going to lay out uh, a smattering of topics that we could talk about here. And I'll just go around the horn and everyone gets to pick their favorite topic and give a riff. So the Celtics have played two preseason games, one comeback win against Philly at home, another a back-to-back -back in the preseason, who knew, in New York, where Boston rested their starters. They did not get the win. So, Jeff, I'll go to you first, then I'll go to Alex, then I'll go to Justin. You can pick any of these to talk about. You can talk about Drew Holiday coming off the bench. You can talk about Al Horford starting. You can talk about Chris Stapp's Porzingis looking pretty good. You can talk about Jalen Brown wearing his pants on backwards. You can talk about... Uh, the bench that we saw from the Celtics. You can talk about something that I haven't thought of. So you get one bite of the apple, but it's a bite of your choosing. Jeff, what do you want to talk about? I'm going to start off with Porzingis, and then uh, I'll let the uh, apples fall where they may um, after that. So I live here in Washington, D.C. I got to watch Porzingis last year, and I really thought he had a uh, underappreciated season, given that the Wizards weren't very good. But, but I thought there was some improvement in Porzingis' game. And, and I had a chance maybe mid, right around the, the Wizards were making a push to get Porzingis on the All-Star game, into the All-Star game. I sat down um, with him and 
he just thought he was having a solid season, but he thought he was going to be really used this summer to improve. Um, he finally felt healthy. Um, he, he felt that he was getting the, 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 the right advice, if you will, or, or the, mm -hmm. uh, the right care um, from the medical team and just thought his body was in the best shape. And then he was going to use this summer to really improve on his game. And we saw some of that improvement last year. He's just really focused on what he does really well. Um, you know, sort of the mid range off the glass shot. He, he really enjoys and he just felt he, he's been working on that. You, you can step out and hit the three. Um, and again, we can probably get into his defense saying, you know, is he going to be Joel Embiid in the middle? No, but anyone at that size is going to offer some, you know, shot altering perspective uh, to the offensive player. And so I, I understand why the Wizards made the trade. They have a new front office regime. They're coming in, changing things up a little bit, maybe a new direction, trying to get some value back uh, for Przingis. I would give Tommy Shepard a little bit of credit, the former executive there, you know, who, who gave the new regime, Michael Winger, um, and his group a uh, chance to move some of these players um, and get something to help their rebuild. Uh, I love Porzingis. I thought it was a, a really good offseason move for the Celtics. I, I think he's going to flourish, too, as – the number three guy. I think that's what we have mm -hmm. to look at is, you know, uh, if he's, you know, a, a solid number two on a team and you make him a, a number three behind two really good offensive players, I, I think that's going to open up his game a whole lot. So, yeah, seeing him in person, first of all, he's taller than you can imagine. Um, but the way it plugs into the Celtics offense is pretty extraordinary, at least so far. Okay, Alex, uh, you get to pick next preseason Celtics topic. That. Sure. Well, um, since it's the preseason, you know, the starters, I think, are pretty, um, th there's still some controversy and there's new arrivals and that's all interesting stuff. But ultimately, um, those guys are not taking the preseason ultra seriously and they don't need to. So the story I'm most interested in for the preseason is which one of these bench guys is actually going to make the team. Um, I watched some of the highlights from yesterday's game. I did not watch the whole thing. Um, and I watched a good chunk of the first preseason game, and I came away with a couple of impressions. Um... Okay, let's pause the action and talk about our friends over at FanDuel, where you can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get into the action. There's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I think anyone who has been watching the NFL season knows that it has been an exciting one. Um, Bobby, you dialed into NFL 30 seconds on the season. A tough break for Aaron Rodgers, and that still hangs over at the start of this whole campaign. But the Cowboys look incredible, and I'm not enamored by the lack of weapons the Chiefs have. So I think the Super Bowl is up for grabs. Yeah, people were trying to tell me the Lions were going to be good this season. Uh I don't think the Lions are very good. I don't know anything Kansas about City. football. They're never good. <laughs> yeah. That's they might be back, Justin. Mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there's a lot of action to get in on, so visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. He must be 21 and older in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only and a $10 first deposit is required. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.fanduel.sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. For starters, it seems pretty clear to me that uh, Svi Mikhailiak should have a spot on this team. That guy is a really legit movement shooter. Um, his defense is, I think, not great, but passable in short stints. Um, but he really does bring to the table a kind of movement shooting element that the Celtics have been looking for for a couple of years. And I could see, I saw someone on Twitter make a comparison that I could see potentially working for him as a kind of Marco Bellinelli type, just like a hot shooter who can come off the bench, uh, is not great on defense, but can give you a couple of threes in a short stint. Um, I was impressed by Lamar Stevens as well. You know, I think that he has a little more off the bounce game than I gave him credit for. Uh, his defense is legit. I think we all expected that he could bring that coming to this year. Um, but I think Lamar has a very good shot to make this roster as well. Um, where it starts to get a little tricky is with the kind of remaining four to five guys that are in contention for a roster spot. Um, Delano Benton had some moments. I think I was impressed with his size and physicality. There's definitely a world where he could be the 15th man on this team. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, there's a couple others, though, that I think are a little more on the bubble. Um, Nemius Koita, I think that's how you pronounce his name, or Keda. Keda. Uh, yeah. Keda. Um, he, so Keda he, and Keda. Just he is a very big man, uh, and I mm -hmm. think there there is something to be said for just having a huge body on the team. Um, but I think his spot is a little bit more dependent on whether the Celtics are going out and getting another big man, uh, which they have the capability to do with the Grant Williams TPE and some other stuff. So for me, he's on the bubble. Um, based on what I saw from preseason, I gotta be honest, as much as Jordan Walsh seems like a really fun NBA player in three to four years from now, he does not seem ready for the NBA at this current moment. So I would expect that Walsh and J.D. Davison will probably be in Maine for this year, or at least for a good chunk of it, and they might be on two ways. But um, to me, it seems like if you're giving Jordan Walsh a roster spot now when you're ostensibly trying to win the NBA Finals, th that kind of seems like a questionable choice, uh, given what he's able to contribute for the time being. Who knows? He could surprise me. But right now, he doesn't seem quite there. Um, and I guess the other kind of area that I'm kind of watching is what is the plan with Wenyan Gabriel? Because I think Wenyan Gabriel has some interesting tools and he actually has been on NBA rosters before. In theory, he could, um, you know, be a good fit for this team. But with the kind of log jam at power forward slash wing, I guess I'm just not sure where his minutes are going to come from. And to me, I kind of wonder if that roster spot would be better suited to just shoring up positions that are a little bit thinner. So I would say just first impressions based on these first two games, I think it's likely that we're going to see uh, Mikhailik and Lamar Stevens on this team. And I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, Delano Banton will make it as well. Um, Keita and, um, K sorry, Keita to me is a question mark as well as Wendon Gabriel. And as for uh, Jordan Walsh and J.D. Davison, um, Portland is lovely. It's a lovely town. So uh, I would say look into some good apartments there. How are you feeling about Luke Cornett? Because he has been, he's been good and bad. Uh, he's negative 22 in the first so two games. 
here's what I'll say about Luke Cornett. Um, I think it is very likely that Luke Cornett is going to make the team based on the way that uh, Brad Stevens and others have talked about him this offseason. Um, and to that end, I wonder if Luke's lackluster preseason performance has more to do with whether he's just kind of not trying very hard. Um, and I could see a world in which that is the case. But uh, Brad Stevens and company have been discussing Luke Cornett and Joe Mazzula, I think, said the other day that the expectation is that Luke Cornett will be the third center for this team. And as fun as Luke Cornett and the Cornett contest is, and as much as the flapping bird is, you know, a delightful taunt, um, I do think Boston has to be really careful about that. Luke Cornett, to me, strikes me as a guy who can log some minutes in the regular season uh, when they start to go up against Giannis, when they start to go up against Bam, when they start to go up against uh, the elite teams in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs. I would be distressed if Luke Cornett was our third center. And so I think while he will make the team, Boston should be actively looking to shore up that center spot. Okay. Um, Dr. Quinn, any preseason tidbits that you want to shine light on? Well, I did want to talk about Lamar Stevens playing center, but that kind of falls under Alex's purview. That was very interesting. I don't know how much of that we'll actually see in the regular season, but it was an interesting small ball wrinkle. But what I really think needs to be spoken about, even though this wasn't really what I was thinking about talking about, was the starters. Uh, is Al going to start? Is Drew going to keep coming off the bench? There's a pretty good case for both. I would actually lean towards matchup dependent decisions. Uh, but the idea of Horford coming off the bench, I think might be a better long-term solution, both for saving his legs as well as for the balance of the second unit. But I could probably be talked out of it just as easily. Yeah, Jeff, you have any insight on where the Celtics might land on their starting lineup? Yeah, I, I sort of like uh, Al and Drew in the starting lineup. Now that this is just comes from what I like, not what, I, what I'm hearing or anything. Um, but what I really think is going to be on the coaching staff is to somehow find out, and, and again, looking at the rotation, are, are we talking, you know, maybe an eight-man rotation, at, you know, at, at its height? Um, obviously, during the season, they'll, they'll play more guys than that. Uh, but when you really narrow it down the playoffs, which is ultimately what we're going to determine how successful the Celtic season is, is when you get down to that seven, eight guys, just finding ways to get them all you know, playing with the right guy at the right time, I think is going to be Joe's main object or one of his main objectives all season long and sort of figure out when, when do I go with the small ball? Um, what, when do I stay large? And, you know, is, is Drew sometimes better with Derek White or is he sometimes better with Jalen Brown? And those are all the things I think that are going to play out over the season and really will enjoy watching um, it as well. But geez, when they made the Drew trade, I don't know if there's a better top six um, in the league um, right now. Someone may call me out on it, and I'm fine. No, there's definitely not. Uh, I'll, I'll have your back there. There's not a better top six. And, and so figuring out how you use seven, eight, nine, and ten during the regular season to give you a one or a two seed, and then to break it down in the playoffs to go through that one through seven, one through eight. I go back and look at Denver for all the, you know, accolades they receive for having some deep players or a deep bench they necessarily weren't super deep when it came to the rotation especially in the finals but what they were with those eight guys were really really good yeah I and mean, the depth certainly matters and 
it's a funny it's a good problem to have to have definitely the best starting six and then wonder who the seventh eighth ninth player is other teams are still figuring out who their third guy is okay we're gonna cover a lot of this stuff in a moment so i'll put a pin in that the only thing that i'll say about the preseason that i'm interested in is it seems like on social media and in game the celtics have tweaked how they're presenting the product a little bit there's some new like cheers and chants and jeers that they play over the megaphone which i'm interested in and the tenor of the twitter is noticeably different for now um but that's not that important anyways let's quickly talk about this gm survey that just came out boston was all over it and then we will hop into the lab and play factor fiction so i'm just going to read off some of the major takeaways and then again we'll we'll do the same thing we'll go around the horn you pick your favorite to talk about maybe with a little more celerity so the GMs were surveyed, and like I said, Boston was well represented. Boston was selected as the best defensive team by 47% of GMs, not bad. Holiday was the best perimeter defender, for, uh, according to 50% of participants. Um, he's the number two best defensive player and the number two player to have the biggest impact, Drew Holiday was, so that's good. Celtics and the Bucks were tied for having the best offseason in terms of moves that they made. Tatum was listed as the best small forward by 47% of GMs, and he was third in MVP projections, but he only got 13% of those votes, which is interesting. I'm pretty worried about his wrist. Just going to let that hang out there. Celtics and Nuggets are most likely uh, to win the finals, according to this survey, and Derek White got snubbed. Alex, I'll ask you about that. But first, Jeff, either looking at the survey or more specifically what I just said, any of those takeaways more important or interesting than others? I think when it comes down to it, then I'm always going to be, you're going to need to score points in the playoffs, but you also need to defend mm-hmm. and that the other GMs are recognize, recognizing this when they acquired Drew and then you throw in Jason and Jalen and Derek White, it's going to be really, really difficult for another team sort of wing players, guards, point guards, um, when they buckle down like that, uh, like they can, it's going to be really, really difficult. And then you throw in, you know, Al's experience and leadership and ability. I saw in the notes, you you know, is he the Al Horford of what, three to five years ago? Uh, No player's going to be, um, you know, when they're sort of exiting their prime, Uh, but still really solid defensively. Uh, I mentioned Porzingis, again, not going to be confused, uh, you know, w- with all defense, but a guy who brings a lot of size w- will grab you some boards and uh, the ability to block shots just by the sheer length of him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I just love that defense. And then I know I just circle back to the start of it when I talk about needing to score. Well, look, look at the scores on that, the facilitators, um, guys who have hit big shots in their careers. Um, it, it, it's a really, really strong team. And we, we all know that, but I, I really just love the defense and a real ability. This is the old Stan Van Gundy. You know, if you are sort of 
top 10 offensive and defensive efficiency, you know, that, that makes you a title contender. I mean, th- there's a really strong possibility this team is top five offense and defense mm-hmm. um, efficiency and whatever efficiency metrics you want to use I- as well. So, you know, all the things I'm talking about uh, bode well uh, for the Celtics. Uh, and, and I know we're going to get to, you know, some of that season ending stuff as well. Sure. Yeah, I think things are boding pretty well for the Celtics. Alex, um, Derek White didn't get any love. What do you think about that? As the co-president of the Derek White fan club, I am distraught and irate (laughs) at the fact that Derek White was not named to the NBA's top 100 players. And this time the stats back me up. So um, 538 Raptor rating is not a perfect stat, but it is a pretty decent stat for getting a sense of, you know, just kind of where players in the league are at. And right now, uh, or at least from last season, uh, there are only 12 NBA players that produced a 7.0 Raptor rating. Uh, I'm going to read them off here. They are Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, James Harden, Darius Garland, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and then... There's Derek White. Hell yeah. The advanced stats suggest that Derek White is a borderline all-star player. He is one of the best defenders in the NBA, as uh, shown by his second team all-defense selection last year. Um, while his shooting percentages did drop in the playoffs, as happens a couple of years in a row now, Derek White is the ideal point guard for this Celtics team. He's fast. He uh, is efficient. He's able to get rebounds and defend multiple positions. In general, Derek White is an excellent, excellent basketball player, and he is a great deal better than a number of the players that were currently named on the NBA's top 100 survey, uh, as shown by the GMs and others. So I'm furious. I'm angry. Mm -hmm. Um, But the good news, the silver lining, is that by the end of this year, everyone will know where Derek White stands on this list. Sure. All right, Dr. Quinn, anything else from this survey that we missed? I don't know if we missed it so much as we should probably point out that uh, Tatum being seen as the best small forward to the point where he more than doubled over Kevin Durant uh, is pretty notable. And I also think that while I do agree he's probably in the third place slot to start the season for the MVP race most likely, it seems a little low at 13%. Yeah, we've we've talked about this a a lot at the... Uh, over the offseason just like understanding how narratives work it seems like he would have a better shout but maybe gms either don't believe that or they don't want to think about that but i don't know i I think can be yogic and Giannis are probably better than tatum but uh the voters get bored anyways we'll put a pin on that one because i'm sure we will talk about it again this season jeff jeff silgett of usa today the usa today oh yeah what were you gonna say no, no, no. Look, I, I, there, there's a lot of thoughts I have on the MVP. You talk, you mentioned narratives. I, I sometimes get a little flustered with my own media brethren who start putting out straw polls after three weeks of a season. Um, I am much more of a believer of let some things unfold, let, let them breathe, uh, and let's not establish a narrative that makes it difficult and, and puts some kind of imaginary peer pressure on people to vote a certain way. Um, and, and so I'm not a huge fan uh, of those early season surveys. 
Uh, I can't speak to the GMs. I don't even know how many GMs. I, I haven't had time to dig into it. I don't know how many GMs participated um, in this one as well. Um, but look, I think we have a good idea, you know, who, who a top five, top 10 player is um, right now. And, and then I would like to just watch, uh, you know, games on full. Now, by the Christmas Day games, I get it. You, you know what, we'll have, you know what, two months of games under uh, everyone's belt and we'll, we'll have an idea of, you know, who has emerged and having a great season. Um, and, and I get why we do it. Don't get me wrong uh, here. I, I completely understand the, the media landscape and everything. But as far as being fair to the player, I, I would just prefer to, you know, not dismiss what the guy did in the final two months of the season while giving a, a lot of extra sway to what he did in the first two months and, and was the big boom uh, kind of deal. Uh, the, those last two months of the season, you know, equally as important and for some teams and players, even a little more important. So there's my little soapbox on the, the MVP. No, I, I think that's spot on. I, I mean, I've been thinking about this, the Celtics play a ton of road games in March and then a few kind of uninteresting road home games in April. Like that could be enough to kind of make Tatum less of a sexy pick to your point, even if he cleans up in December or January. So let's put a pin on that. We will, we will certainly revisit it. Let's hop into the Celtics lab and we're going to play a little factor fiction. The rules are pretty straightforward. We're going to start with the Celtics and then we'll blow it up for the rest of the league. I'm going to offer a prompt and then we'll take turns. We'll go in order. You got to tell me if it's a fact or if you believe it's fiction. You don't have to go too long. We'll try to keep it moving. And then occasionally other people on this illustrious panel can hop in and push back, but we're going to, it's going to be monologue after monologue after monologue. So we're going to start with the Celtics. Jeff, I'm going to go to you first. I'm going to go a little out of order on our notes just because a few of these we've already covered. So let me start with the regular season, Jeff. Fact or fiction, the Boston Celtics will win more than 55 games this regular season. I was trying to guess what uh, fact or fiction you were going to ask me, <laughs> and you, you threw me one I wasn't uh, thinking about. But uh, <laughs> boy, they're going to, I know I'm uh, hedging on my answer here. I, I think it's a uh, fact that they win more than 55. Um, you know, I, I think they'll be in that 57, 58 uh, mark uh, with, with this roster, with this team, everything I was talking about defensively um, and, and what they're able to do offensively. Um, this should be a team that's compete or will be a team that's competing for the number one seed, um, most likely with Milwaukee in the east. And, and that puts them in the neighborhood of that 60 win season. That's where I'm going with that. one. Sure. Love it. All right, Dr. Quinn, I'll go to you. Uh, fact or fiction, the Boston Celtics will play more zone during the regular season next year. Well, considering how much zone they played okay, last we'll season. use a lot of zone, <laughs> I guess, as a qualifier. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're going to play a lot of zone, and I don't think it's a mistake. We have not seen any real zone. We saw, I think, we saw some 3-2 zone last night, but, I mean, it was only for a couple of plays. And that's about what I think we're going to see throughout the regular season. We might see more of it in the playoffs, but for now... I don't think it's going to be something they want too much scouting on. Uh, I think you're right. And I disagree with the team. So this is not me using my disagree moment. Um, I am in agreement with you, Justin. Alex, fact or fiction, the Boston Celtics will have three all-stars this year. Ah, tough question. Um, I'm inclined to say fiction 
Uh, I think that the Boston Celtics will be very good, but I also think that there are, is some pretty serious depth in the Eastern Conference uh, in terms of just like quality players on a bunch of different teams. Uh, and I think in the current NBA, you have to be really, really, really good to have more than two all-stars on your team, like talking at a 60-plus win pace. Um, so I'm going to say uh, fiction with the caveat that I think that the Celtics might have two all-stars. I'm not sure that uh, we necessarily know exactly which two that's going to be. Oh, spicy. And this is great. We were just setting ourselves to talk about things. We can yeah. draw back from this for later future episodes. Okay, I, I get the next one, and I already talked about it, but I'll talk about it a little bit more. Tatum should have gotten wrist surgery. They talked about it on the Hoop Collective today, which I was excited that they did because he mentioned, Jason Tatum did, that he saw multiple specialists this summer about his wrist and chose not to get surgery, but that wasn't the consensus from these specialists. So it's not my body. I'm not going to lampoon anyone for making any decision about their body, but I do wonder if another season of, you know, you see Tatum flexing his wrist a lot and then claiming that it's totally fine. Another year that doesn't necessarily feel like the right thing. So the the term here is should it's not my place i'm gonna punt but fact cameron is nervous about jason tatum's wrists still how's that jeff you just want someone who doesn't have you don't have someone with glass in their wrist to worry about so you have to find a new wrist to worry about yes but also like i don't know he's he's had some shooting clunkers and he plays with that wrist a lot maybe it's psychosomatic who knows all right we'll do another round of Celtics ones and then we'll talk about the rest of the league jeff the Boston Celtics will finish first in the East factor fiction. Oh, let me give you a different one. Cause you already told us how they're going to do. How's that? Jeff. Well, well, switch it up. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I like to keep you, you dancing a little, you know, fact or fiction. The Boston Celtics will use the Grant Williams TPE. They generated at the beginning of the summer in season. All right. Someone off the top of their head. Do what, what, what is that uh, TPE worth? Like what? 7 million. I think maybe 6 million. A little under, but six something. Yeah. So six and change, they're already, you know, second apron-ish team. You know what? Considering the conversation that we've uh, had, uh, and you just mentioned the apron, but considering the conversation we had about depth and we the Celtics get until pretty much until the summer to use it. And so you're, we're at, I, I think it's going to be fact that they do use it. Given the conversation we're having about depth, and if this team is, you know, trying to – make use of a championship window that doesn't exist forever and ever um, that ownership would be willing to, you know, pay that money. And, and if Brad and his staff find that player um, and, and likely there could be one on the market, uh, I say fact that they do use it. All right. We'll come back to you for names sometime this season. How's that? Dr. Perfect. Quinn, I'm going to combine two of them we have here in our notes, fact or fiction. Al Horford starts more games for the Celtics than Drew Holiday. Fiction, because he's going to be taking off at least a dozen or so games on the back end of back-to-back. So I think that's actually a pretty easy one, regardless of how any of us feel about who's going to be starting. But couldn't he start? I think Drew. I think Drew is going to be starting a lot of games from injury, from all kinds of stuff. So I do think that, that even if Drew is coming off the bench, he's probably going to be starting close to a third of the games in, in, in the season. So I, I'm going to say in this case that Al Horford will probably uh, not be starting more games than he is. 
Wow, I think I disagree with you. Um, okay. Interesting. Let me think about whether I want to pose that. I up. don't think if that happens, Al is going to be very happy. He was not very happy about answering that question in media day uh, to our friend Jack Simone of how about them Celtics. But I think it's something that might actually happen. Well, that's where I, that's where I kind of wonder is if to keep everyone happy who Horford starts, even if he plays four minutes a start and then he, you know, comes off the bench for the rest of the game, so to speak. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts 40 something games and by proxy drew just like mathematically can't start that many. And drew also starts like 30 games to your point. Um, yeah. I think my default is that Horford is going to start whether or not it's the right thing, but uh, because it rocks the boat the least and it also uh, allows for some balance in, in terms of the rotation. If you're worried about rocking the boat uh, with respect to Al Horford, with apologies to Al, who I think is one of my favorite players on the team and is a genuinely great guy and a prideful vet, understandably so, priorities are wrong. Start the best lineup. If Al Horford comes off the bench, so be it. That could be Al Horford, though. I mean, that defense is going to be <laughs> unbelievable with Horford and Porzingis. I don't know. It's a second preseason game. We don't need to <laughs> get ourselves too much in a twist. Okay, Alex, fact or fiction? I'll let you answer this one. Boston will finish first in the East. I am going to say fiction. I think Boston is going to finish second in the East. I think it's going to be close. Um, I get the sense that particularly during the regular season, Giannis and Dame and that pick and roll is going to be just a brutal night-to-night experience. I think there's a world in which Boston is the two seed, but potentially a better playoff team than the Bucks. in particular, because the only way that you can actually limit that type of a pick and roll is through the scheming of a seven game series. Um, but on a night to night basis, it just feels like that's going to be borderline impossible to guard. So I think that the Bucks are going to be the number one seed. Oh, interesting. Wow, that's interesting. I think I disagree with that, too. I mean, I'm in a bad mood. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, ESPN, I think, had the Cavs higher. What was it? The Cavs higher than... Well, anyway, the Cavs uh, had a really high win total in the uh, estimated win totals that Kevin Pelton's model ran, which surprised me a lot. They, they were, Not that they were over the 76, but it was very close or even maybe higher, if I remember correct, of, of the Bucks. But very close either way. Well, that's a good segue, so I'll just say that I bet the Bucks and the Celtics are mature enough teams that they're they're more dialed into the postseason than the one seed. As such, Jeff, fact or fiction, the Bucks and the Celtics are the only true contenders in the Eastern Conference. Fact until someone shows me otherwise. I, I know I'm going to hear it uh, from some Sixers fans, but they haven't won a second round series since Allen Iverson um, <laughs> was leading them to the finals. This group certainly hasn't done it. So. Um, and with that hardened situation lingering, um, you know, and with the sort of offers that have somehow been put out there, I'm not sure that Philadelphia, you know, is getting something in return uh, that elevates them to that level that Milwaukee and Boston are at. I understand that, you know, we just mentioned uh, Cleveland's win total possibly increasing. I don't think they're there um, just yet. Um, I don't think the Knicks are um, either. Um, I, I know I probably have a couple of sleeper teams, but those sleeper teams that I might talk about in the East, 
are teams that are probably creeping up from non-playoff um, into playoff contention, but not contender contention. You know, a team like uh, Indiana, you know, who I, I think is going to continue to improve, but I, they're not ready to contend. So again, th those are the two best teams to me. I know I'm going to go through all this, and I'm, you know, Miami is all irate about one thing or another um, th these days, and I I'm certainly not going to dismiss all their accomplishments. Uh, and, and I know I heard Eric Sposter just the other day talk about that he thinks his team's a little deeper. I, I, I don't know. They lose Gabe Vincent. They lose Max Struess. Um, I, I understand the way they play. Um, and getting into the finals last year was quite an accomplishment um, and everything. I just don't think through the regular season that they're going to be able to get the number of wins that Boston and Milwaukee are going to have, uh, you know, come mid-April. Fun. All right. Good segue as, as well, Dr. Quinn. Fact or fiction, there will be two new postseason teams in the East when the playoffs roll around. Oh, boy. I mean, I think it's fairly likely there's teams like Miami that well, that's not could... a game, is it? Huh? That's not the, the game, is it? Is no, it I know. I'm talking myself through this because <laughs> I, I also was not really thinking about which teams it was. I'm going to I'm going to be a little little. Uh, flipping here and not name which teams I think it is because I don't want in the interest of celerity, uh, which has been keyed into me as being important. Uh, but I do think that there is going to be a pretty good chance of that because there's, there's a lot of teams that don't quite look like they are prepared to compete. And in this new CBA regime, I think we're going to see a lot of teams we didn't expect to just cash in their chips move some stuff out and try to start retooling quickly to avoid paying so much in tax when there's no chance for them to contend. So I think that's, that's a fact. Yeah. Maybe even Miami. Alex, fact or fiction? We'll stick with the heat. Why not? Fact or fiction? If that heat culture Jersey is real, oh. it's a fact. That's the worst Jersey in the NBA right now. Man. Alex, fact or fiction? The Miami heat land a star between now and February. Fiction. I don't think they have the assets. I really don't. Um, I think that most of the teams that are going to be retooling and trying to sell off potential stars, guys like, I don't know, maybe a Zach Levine here or uh, DeMar DeRozan there, who's to say? Um, I think they're going to be looking for uh, big draft picks. I think they're going to be looking for um, young players that are under contract and not going to be due big extensions anytime soon. Um, and I think we saw this summer that the Miami Heat's package is just not all that appealing to players who are of star quality for uh, a bunch of GMs. Um, I think that uh, the James Harden situation is, of course, worth monitoring, but frankly, I don't see a whole lot of worlds where James Harden is a good culture fit in Miami. Um, I do think that the Miami Heat are still going to probably win 40-something games and be an incredibly dangerous playoff team in spite of that. But I don't think that they are going to get a third star. Yeah, I could see a world where the Cavs get that one seed and then they play the Heat in the first round and the Heat bounce the Cavs or something like that. And suddenly the Heat are right back in the mix. Jeff, one quick bonus Eastern Conference one, just because we've danced around it. Fact or fiction, James Harden gets traded this season. That's fact. I don't think the Sixers can, you know, everything that's been exchanged between Daryl, James, uh, publicly, and presumably behind the scenes with James getting fined, um, calling Daryl Morey a liar, um, having no interest in 
you know, playing for a team led by Daryl Morey, he says. Um, Daryl's going to have to make a move at, at some point. I know he obviously hasn't come across anything that he likes to make that decision to trade him. Uh, but for a team, as we just mentioned earlier, that feels with the MVP and Joel Embiid has a, a championship window, um, having a player who's less than interested in playing there is not going to be good. Uh, I, I don't want to get carried away with the term culture uh, because when you're winning, culture is good. And when you lose, uh, culture not so good. Um, but you, you, you certainly just don't want a poison pool um, in Philadelphia all season long. And I think it's one reason, real quick, that Joe Cronin in Portland, you know, made that deal before the season. He just realized that even though he once mentioned this could drag on into the season, uh, it, for a team, especially Portland, trying to rebuild with some young guys, um, you do need to have everyone uh, as close to possible as being on the same page. And I'm not quite sure that uh, Daryl and James uh, want to read the same book. Oh, I like that metaphor. That's great. And it, it implies they're both reading a book. That's great. Okay. We've got so actually, Justin, good job out of you. The ones in the West and the miscellaneous are particularly spicy. So we'll run through those. We could be even faster because this is the Celtics Lab podcast, not the West and miscellaneous lab podcast. But Justin, I have to say, I love these. Thanks. Okay. Jeff, I'm going to stick with you. And oh, these are so good. Okay. This is a spicy one. This is a little Celtic centric. Jeff, fact or fiction, the Los Angeles Lakers will advance past the second round in the playoffs. Ooh, boy, do I, I love the West. I love how competitive it is. I'm saying that it's fact that they will indeed get out of the second round, get back to the conference finals. Uh, now, with that said, I have no idea who they're going to play. Um, I, I, again, I love the West. I, I, I do like this Lakers team. And, and I do think Phoenix made some nice moves um, post the Beal deal. Um, only because they were very limited financially. Um, I thought Rob Polinka and his staff did a really nice job um, building um, around the talent they have. And I'm going to say, you know, we all have caveats um, on this, but maybe more than any team in the league for a team that has thoughts on getting back to the conference finals and then to the NBA finals is the health of LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, more so than any two players on, you know, any team um, is so important for them to be able to get back. And they were able to do it last year with both of those guys playing what in mid fifties games um, and got a low seed. If they're able to get a much better seed and play, you know, that 60, that sort of magical 65 and above number um, and the Lakers team develops, I really like them getting back to the conference finals. I think that everyone here on this panel actually is fine with the Lakers or respects the Lakers. I thought they had a dynamite offseason. I'm right there with you, Jeff. Okay, Dr. Quinn. Fact or fiction, rebounding will be a fatal flaw for the Phoenix Suns. So this has been something I've been talking about ever since they made the trade uh, to get rid of Aiden. Uh, now, the only player they have who is over six foot nine is Kevin Durant who is, you know, a good rebounder for someone who mostly plays small forward, uh, sometimes even shooting guard. But in my mind, this was going to be a problem. 
Now, it's one preseason game, right? But it's against a team that has a surplus of big men who are all fairly good plus rebounders, and some of them very good rebounders, yet they lost a rebounding battle in a preseason game to the Phoenix Suns. So maybe the team rebounding approach is what's going to make it work for them. So maybe I'm wrong on that. All right. All right, Alex. Fact or fiction, the Memphis Grizzlies will be the one seed in the West. Or we'll win the West, excuse me, we'll win the West. Oh man, this is such a good one. And I gotta say, I am perhaps zagging while the market is zigging in that I actually really like this Grizzlies team and I think they're gonna be really good. Um, I am not ready to say that they're gonna win the West. I think they could be the one seed because the regular season is weird. And sometimes the best team isn't always the one seed. I'm not ready to say that they're going to win the West at the end of the day. I just don't quite trust the infrastructure and the uh, upside of uh, the Grizzlies when compared to, say, you know, the reigning champion Denver Nuggets or the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, I think that those two teams would be higher on my West playoff pecking order than the Grizzlies. I do think that there's a world where the Grizzlies could make the Western Conference Finals and have a pretty dynamite run getting there. So I'm going to say I don't think they're winning the West, but I think they're going to be a very tough out this postseason. Same, same, but different. Uh, I meant to talk about the Golden State Warriors, and like any team that's that advanced in age, health is going to be their top concern, but Apropos of health, I think they're going to be really, really good. So it's a fact they need to be healthy and quite healthy to make a postseason run. But if they get there, I think the CP3 Steph thing is going to be baby food on defense, but on offense, it's going to be so fun to watch. Okay, a few more quickies, and then we are out of here. These are uh, fascinating. So Jeff, let me go to you on this one. Fact or fiction, the league will have 32 teams by the year 2027. I think we'll have announced that the league has two teams, whether or not they're in market and playing uh, by 2027-28 season, I don't know. Uh, but we're, we're headed that way. There's no doubt about it. I know Adam Silver puts it on the back burner every time he's asked about it. And he says, you know, first it was getting the new collective buying agreement done. And now he says the focus is on the new TV deal. Um, th- that TV deal expires after the 2024-25 season. They'll have a new TV deal that is going to help set the market for expansion fees. And we're going to be looking at a $5 billion expansion fee. I believe if we look at the Phoenix Suns and Mercury, you know, selling at a $4 billion valuation, if we're putting two new to the NBA is uh, putting a team in Seattle and putting a team in Las Vegas, we're looking at $5 billion. Um, and, and so I think that happens, you know, again, whether they're actually on the court playing a season opener, um, four years from, you know, right now, I, I don't know about that, but I think those, that, that will be announced by then and starting shortly around that time frame um, it, as well. Um, it, it's, I think Adam has used the phrase manifest destiny. Um, oh, yikes, uh, really? <laughs> yes, he has. He, 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 he has uh, used it uh, in that terms, uh, in that uh, talking about expansion. And, and so um, I, I believe it's happening. Um, and we'll we'll know those two teams by then for sure. Bunch of Adam teachers Sil- on the call. So Adam Silver, <laughs> get it together, my dude. What is going on? There's a lot of other metaphors out there, my man. Okay. Could have been better. Yeah. 
But Jeff, point remains, if you're in Seattle and you're in Las Vegas, hang tight. Dr. Quick. Hey, just while we were doing that, uh, I, I had to uh, just Google it to make sure that, uh, you, you know, for all the Adam Silver press conferences I've been to, uh, that he indeed has used that, and he has. So uh, I, I'm good on that one. I don't, I don't need the league office um, call, <laughs> calling me uh, on something um, on that uh, yeah. and shooting me out, uh, which happens from time to time. I want to put it out there. Carlos Slim, you would love to have an NBA team in Mexico City. Just, you know. Well, speaking in of case you're thinking, wow, this podcast is unraveling. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a story for you, Dr. Well, Quinn, off air. If you don't mind me interrupting, the, the, the Mexico City thing sort of reminds me of um, David Stern with Europe. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think he sort of always teased it as this, you know, possibility we're not going to get there uh, anytime soon. And um, I, I know Adam loves the inroads um, into Mexico, Mexico City, and then, you know, continuing south and, into South America. Um, and, and so he does like bringing that up as a great city to have games. Um, and I do know that he just loves the the and I say region it's you know uh, extending into a continent and everything another continent he he does love the markets there um, a, as you go through Mexico City and further south and, and and so those things are real important to the league I do know that and they've got a world class reporter right there waiting for him right Justin all right Dr Quinn fact or fiction Joel Embiid is a member of the Philadelphia 76ers by the end of the season. I think it's more likely fact just because it's hard to orchestrate a trade for a player of his stature in season at the trade deadline, for example. Uh, but I would not be at all surprised, particularly if things go as I think they're going to go this season for the Sixers, uh, that he is not a member of the team come next media day. Right. Same, same, but different. Uh, Alex, fact or fiction, this time... Uh, 12 to 13 months from now, I don't know what the timeline is exactly, Giannis has extended with the Bucks. I think that's fact. Um, I think that Damian Lillard uh, is a pretty significant commitment to the Bucks, and I think that they're going to be really good as a result. Um, as to whether Giannis asks out of that extension at a date to be named later, mm -hmm. I can't speculate. But I think ultimately Giannis is going to take the money and commit to being in a situation where the Bucks continue to try and build winners around him. Yeah. Uh, he has always seemed pretty happy there. Okay. We're going to do one last one, and it's going to be about the Celtics making it to the finals or not, obviously. But before I do that, I'm going to remind everyone that the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We've been talking to Jeff Zilgit of USA Today, Alex Goldberg of Playing Bass for Divine Sweater, the music you heard off the top, and Dr. Justin Quinn, also of USA Today, right? So, Jeff, first of all, thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoy these conversations. It's a lot of fun to sit around and talk hoops. Well, least of which Jeff told us before recording that he's moving, and there's, there's few experiences in modern life that are worse than moving. So, so thank you for carving out time to do this. Um, the question's obvious, and I'm going to go around the horn, and I'll start with you, Jeff. Fact or fiction, the NBA Finals this season will feature the Boston Celtics? I think just listening to this conversation, we, we've all, you know, 
really feel that Milwaukee and Boston are the two teams. Uh, I, I, I've always felt, and th this is going to be a long-winded way uh, uh, getting to my answer, that uh, I am much better uh, at telling you what happened than what is going to happen, um, or else I'd maybe be in a different business here. Um, I, I, I do really like the Celtics. Um, you're putting me on the spot today. I'm going to say fact that they get back to the finals. You know, they, they, they got there a couple of seasons ago. Um, I, I think they probably, you know, we mentioned their top six, but I think maybe by the end of the year, they're going to have a team that is uh, maybe better than what it was the year they got to the finals uh, just a couple of seasons ago against Golden State. Um, Joe Mazzula, another year um, coaching uh, under his belt, and I think he'll be much more experienced um, come playoff time as well. They did bolster that uh, coaching bench. Um, a little bit as well. Um, a, a lot of trust in him. Brad went out, made the moves necessary um, to compete. Um, so I'm going to say fact while completely understanding that if they don't get there, it's because there's another, another really, really good team uh, in the East that beat them. But uh, again, really love everything Boston has done and will be fun to watch both ends of the court. And just getting to back to a little bit, touch on that GM survey. You know, there are all NBA candidates. There are MVP candidates. There are all-star candidates. It's going to be a really, I think, enjoyable season for the most part for Celtics fans. Will there be some little, you know, bumps in the road where, you know, you, you mentioned on social media or, you know, people tend to overreact on social media. Will those days and nights happen? For sure. Uh, but I, I think after 82 games, I'm looking at a team that's real close to 60 victories and ends up playing in the finals. That's what I'll go with. All right. Love it. And another great segue, the Boston Celtics fans can come to the Celtics Lab podcast for all of those hiccups and bumps and bruises along the way. So Alex and Justin, rather than ask you fact or fiction, I'll just tease to everyone listening, just keep sticking with this podcast and we'll tell you along the way how's that. So Jeff of USA Today, Jeff Silgett, thank you so much for stopping by. If you're, uh, if you're ever at a game, come find me. I'd love to say hello. And um yeah. I love Boston. I love visiting. I have my little uh, places I like to go, nooks and crannies, uh, places to eat, a fabulous food town, one of my favorite walking cities. No matter where I stay in the city, I just about get, can walk anywhere. Um, and, and so it, it's one of my favorite cities to, to visit. So, oh, yeah. Give me a shout if you get to the Mexico City games in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening for me, but uh, <laughs> when that day comes, I our first time on my list to call to help me get around very cool all right well thanks everyone for listening like and subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already it makes a huge difference to us and we'll be back next week until then adios